Alright, today I'm going to go over one of the most powerful health hacks that nobody's talking about, right? And that's the power of circadian alignment, right? Which is basically understanding that every single biological process inside of the human body is run on a clock, right? And when we think about circadian, we think about circa, which is basically a 24-hour cycle, how do we create this alignment, right? Because everything from getting into good stages of sleep, from recovery, from digestive process, from you going to the bathroom, to energy levels, all this stuff can be optimized through alignment of circadian rhythm, right? And, uh, you know, obviously, I tend to use weekly stories as things that kind of contribute to my ideas for podcasts. And one of my clients, um, I train her and her husband three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, one of the things that I was working on with her, because we tried working on diet, I just like was we just we weren't really getting that much success with compliance, right? Like just it was hard for her to stay compliant to what we were kind of working on and some of the things and kind of the old stuck in her old habits, can't teach the old monkey new tricks kind of thing. So um, not to call her hard headed, but when you when you have something that you've been doing for so long, it, it is hard to kind of unwire some of these habits. So for me as a coach, one of the things that I always try to preach is like, okay, well, let's find the lowest hanging fruit that can provide you the biggest return on your investment, right? Um, you know, what's the, what's the simplest thing? What's the minimum effective dose, right? In a sense, it's kind of the easiest way to look at that. And uh, one of the big things that kept popping up was how late they would stay up, right? And they're definitely very, very busy people, but they would spend time together. And just like my girlfriend and I do the same thing, but their together time at night was watching TV and they would watch episodes and TV shows till... 11, 12, 1, 2 a.m. even sometimes. I've had them come in here with like a 2 a.m. story and they have a 9 o'clock session or 10 a.m. session. I'm sorry. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you guys are not really 18 years old. I don't think you really should be doing this and really uh, being expecting your diets or your health or all those other things to kind of follow suit on whatever the goal might be for that. So one of the things that we did is we said, okay, let's do this. Instead of really changing dietary stuff, let's, let's figure out something maybe under, underneath the hood foundationally that we can change that maybe gives us a nice little return, right? And that thing was controlling sleep, right? Was basically saying, okay, let's focus on getting you to bed at at least a more consistent time, right? At least having less volatility between 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m. Like, I'm like, let's just try to have almost like a curfew that we say, like, let's get ourselves in the habit of going to bed at a consistent time. I'd much rather somebody go to bed a little bit later but have consistency behind that schedule versus someone that goes to bed earlier three nights a week and then late and then midnight. It's like all over the place. Like we want to have more consistency, which will obviously be one of the things I talk about today. So that and then the number, the second thing to kind of follow up that was like, okay, let's get you on a more consistent sleep schedule and then let's try to focus on that last meal, last calorie, last thing that you're putting in your body being two to three, maybe even three to four hours, depending on the person before you go to bed. So for example, if I go to bed at 10 p.m. and I have a three hour window between when I want to have my last thing coming into the body, 7 p.m. would be the cutoff. And her first week of doing this, she lost three pounds, right? First week. And three pounds, to be honest with you, with someone her size was actually almost kind of aggressive. Um, like that would actually be kind of outside of the threshold that I would consider like a, a goal for weight loss for her. Um, you know, most people were generally looking at half a pound to two, and a, two pounds a week. So for her to drop three pounds by not changing anything dietary and just focusing on consistent sleep schedule and consistent kind of um, dinner timing... Now, who knows how compliant this is going to be for her in the long run, but so far, so good, right? So I want to talk about that because obviously the power of circadian alignment is going to be a really huge thing to really optimize health on all levels, right? On how your day-to-day energy is going to be, 
how your workouts are going to feel, how your recovery from your workouts is going to be, how your nutrition is going to work and the effectiveness of it, meaning digestive health and the hormonal balance alignment. Um, when it comes to stress, when it comes to getting into deep stages of sleep, your circadian alignment is the thing that really kind of controls that because this is kind of the master clock behind all these things. Um, and I don't want to make this kind of too sciencey as always because I really want to make this something that, you know, the, the listener here can actually comprehend and take away some information and most importantly apply it to your lifestyle. So I want to talk about how do we really kind of align, like what circadian rhythm and how do we really get ourselves into a place where we actually can find that balance, right? And the first one I want to open up with was the example and the story I just gave you is number one is trying to find a consistent sleep schedule, right? Because a lot of circadian alignment, the first thing that you're going to see is you're going to see a huge improvement in your sleep. And with sleep improvement, you're going to see a huge improvement in energy and stress management, right? With that, you're going to see uh, a difference on maybe even the foods you're cravings and how easy it is to digest these foods and, you know, all the other things that kind of go upstream from really having a solid sleep schedule, right? So number one, having a consistent sleep schedule Get your body in the habit of knowing that at this time, I go to bed. And at this time, I wake up. Um, and if I were to give you the dream scenario, what I would like for everybody, I think from what research shows and from what I've seen and even through just personal you know, experimentation myself, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. tends to be a pretty solid place, right? Um, I think kind of the more we can become in alignment with the sun with these things, the better off we're going to be with health altogether. Um, a book I actually just started this morning. I read another book probably two books ago on light and kind of light therapy. And it was a little bit more medicinal in a sense. And this one's kind of more talking about sun. And the first couple of chapters were actually just talking about like the, you know, how plants work and how, you know, from an animal standpoint inside of the animal kingdom and how much alignment there is, but also to kind of see the cool thing about photosynthesis and how plants and certain things have seasons because depending on the amount of daylight that they get or where the sunlight's coming from or all those type of things, you have to remember, even though we're not necessarily quote unquote a plant uh, or quote unquote an animal, we are to a certain extent have things that run parallel with us. Um, and especially from a biological standpoint, how our body kind of, you know, from energy production and all these other things, there is a lot of similarity still. So don't discredit some of those things that you'd be like, well, I'm not a fucking plant, so why the hell would I do anything with that? Um, there's a lot of power behind that, right? So coming back to number one is I would say first thing for everybody is try to find a consistent sleep schedule, right? Try to find something that you can be like, okay, every – and the, this is the hard part because a lot of people tend to be very different on the weekends versus the weekdays. Um, this is a very hard thing for people that have shift work. You know, if you work at the hospital, you work nights, certain weeks, and days, certain weeks. This is really hard for people that travel because you're in and out of different time zones. Um, and this is why people that have shift works, and this is why people in the hospital actually tend to have worse health, worst health than most people, right? And the reason why is they're throwing all this shit out of alignment. This is also why people that travel for the work nonstop and are always on a plane in a different state and country all the time have worse health outcomes, right? And you are just foundationally wrecking the entire system because you're out of alignment of what the circadian rhythm really wants, right? Um, when your body is always getting a different stimulus and different input, different sleep time, different time zone, you're not really getting to a place where things operate very effectively, right? So to, to, to make this kind of more for the majority, I want people to understand that there is a lot of control that we do have over these things. I know if you're obviously a new parent or some of the travels or shift work, just like I stated, um, it's probably harder to control. But for the most part, remember this. It's just like anything else that we talk about health-related. It's not about being perfect, doing it all the time. It's just about doing it majority of the time, right? 
Uh, kind of like the 80-20 Pareto's law that I love to use all the time. It's like, hey, if I can do it 80% of the time, I can be kind of in this state and I can be kind of in this zone, I'm happy. So for me personally, um, you know, my girlfriend and I are probably a little bit different. She's probably an hour, hour and a half after me, like just naturally on what she likes to go to bed and probably even an hour after me waking if she had the ideal thing without work. Um, so you want to find something that understand that everyone's a little bit different. You know, they have like what people used to call chronotypes, which is like some people are more night owls or some people vice versa. Um, find what works for you, for you, your best with your schedule and your energy levels and your kind of, you know, where you feel most productive, et cetera. Um, because that's going to be the thing that obviously is parallel for everybody is the fact that it is different for everybody, but it also is not different that it should be consistent, right? So even though your sleep time or wake time might be a little bit different than mine, your consistency is the thing that we're actually talking about here. Um, and in order to really get consistent times and have really effective sleep, the second thing I want to talk about is the power of light, which is probably the biggest one when it comes to circadian alignment and rhythm. Um, circadian, I mean, sorry, light is a very, very big disruptor, but it is a very, very powerful tool used on the other end of it, right? So if you think about this in the kind of very ancestral point of view in a sense, right? Like we naturally have always kind of risen with the sunrise and naturally started to kind of wind down with the sunset. So I think one of the most powerful things you can do first thing in the morning is actually getting outside and getting some sun. Your eyes are the first thing that actually take in sunlight, right? And when you go through, I'm not going to talk too much about the process of it, but when you take in the sunlight, your body is already kind of starting off some of these clocks, right? And these clocks start to get aligned, right? And this is actually going to be something that's going to help with you know, when you think about melatonin rising at night, you think about cortisol being high in the morning, you know, these alignment of hormones also is going to be a huge thing. But the kind of the nighttime one is really more what I want to focus on. The biggest disruptor that I see with most people and majority of people that I talk to, including myself here, obviously, I'm nowhere near perfect, is the blue light at night. Blue light and full spectrum light is very, very, very powerful. Um, you know, we actually, it's actually probably a good thing to get a lot of blue light in the morning because you actually think about where most of the uh, red and infrared light is. It tends to be closer to sunrise and sunset, but waking your body up and starting this whole kind of process every day from a, from a circadian standpoint, um, light is going to be the powerful tool. So where most people screw up is when the sun sets, naturally the only light that we would probably ever see in the thousands of years prior would be maybe a fire or maybe the moon. Um, but we really didn't have a lot of light. Now we're on phones, we're on TVs, um, you know, we're reading, we're, we have lights on in the house, we're on a computer till freaking 11 p.m., midnight, 1 and 2, 3, like some people are playing video games all night. Um, and this is completely disrupting circadian rhythm because your body is still thinking that it's light outside, it's daytime outside. So your melatonin production literally almost drops in half when you're taking blue light in after the sunset, right? So when it comes to mitigating light at night, I think one of the most powerful sleep hacks I've added into my kind of routine is wearing blue light blockers, right? Um, a couple companies, there's a company called Blue Blocks, which is what I use, B-L-U-B-L-O-X. And then there's another company called R-A Optics or Raw Optics. Um, these are two companies that I think probably have their stuff kind of backed with science and studies. So it's not like some bullshit Amazon stuff. Um, so high quality, but what I do is I try to, and I'm, you know, in the perfect world, I would actually put these on as soon as the sun sets. That's kind of quote unquote perfect world. I probably put them on closer to like 839. 
Um, and I said this in the nutrition masterclass. I'm like, I'm not joking to people when I say this. My girlfriend actually does not like my blue blockers because she knows that it's like 20 or 30 minutes and I'm probably going to start passing out. Like my eyes just immediately start fading. And that goes to show you the power of that input and that stimulus of taking the same TV show that I'm watching without my glasses keeps me up. The same show and the same TV and the same lighting and then putting the glasses on, I immediately start to kind of wind down. So you have to understand when you think about melatonin production and the melatonin release, more importantly, kind of hopefully being higher at night, which is the thing that gets you into bed. It's the thing that gets you into these deep stages of sleep. Um, that's only possible when you actually mitigate blue light, when you mitigate certain types of light. Now, there's certain things like red light um, that you can get away with. So another thing that I added kind of in our household is we have from Blue Blocks as well, actually. They sell red light, so it doesn't allow any blue or green light to be emitted from the light bulb. And we have those light bulbs in the bedroom. So I just literally keep those on. It looks like a, have you seen like an old school photography room where it looks like a red room? That's kind of how our room looks. Um, I would have the entire house like that if my girlfriend let me, but obviously that's, I don't think it's going to be possible ever, but maybe one day. I've already negotiated my way into at least to the bedroom and the glasses, right? Um, so these are things that allow us to kind of block some of that harmful blue light at night, right? So blue light is not something to necessarily be scared of all the time. It's just when you get to th after post-sunset when the light is down, natural light. Um, we also want to think about that being the same thing for all the other kind of fake artificial light that's coming in. This junk light is probably one of the biggest culprits to trashing sleep and then everything upstream that follows suit. So when you want to get your body into this kind of circadian rhythm, we want to stay in alignment with the natural sunlight. So if you think about this, one of the things that I always like to kind of think from a cyclical approach of both nutrition and lifestyle is, you know, we live in a latitude, you know, in Northern California, Palo Alto, where when we get into summer, we actually have pretty long days. But when we get into winter, our days shorten up pretty drastically, right? Um, and I think that understanding that when the, when the weather changes and the light changes, so does the activity level. So does the energy level. I'm personally one of those people that has like seasonal affective, uh, disorder when like when it gets dark and it gets cloudy and it gets gloomy and it gets cold, I literally almost become depressed. And I think that is actually just goes to show you once again, some of the power that light has on the endocrine system and some of our just mental well-being in a sense. So understanding that light is going to change throughout the year, that means that maybe almost to a certain extent, some of the other things should be changing because your activity naturally is going to change. It's probably going to lessen during those winter months. Um, so should your diet. Now you're eating, right? Uh, when it comes to light, light is naturally going to be something that we want to kind of fall suit. So maybe I'm putting the blue light blockers on a little bit earlier in my winter months. Maybe I'm sleeping a little bit longer in the winter months, right? So let those things kind of have a cyclical approach and don't think that it kind of, um, even though you might sleep the same eight or nine hours, maybe you're kind of winding down a little bit sooner during certain times of the year. Um, but I would say that's probably the most powerful thing that you guys can do when it comes to just managing sleep and managing circadian alignment is really understanding the power of light. More importantly, the natural cycles that the light is from the sun already provides you. So many people are like, and this is obviously something on the kind of the skincare cancer and, you know, light exposure, sunlight exposure. I'm sorry. So a lot of people have become scared of sun for some reason, even though it's been here for millions of freaking years. Um, you gotta be, 
I don't actually, I don't even want to go down the rabbit holes. I just want to get too past that. So number three thing that I want to talk about is going to be eating, right? Your eating schedule, which was kind of something that I was just touching on how eating schedule actually should maybe change a little bit during the winter months versus the summer months. Um, but really more importantly is understanding that your, your eating schedule is going to kind of help get you into these deeper stages of sleep. But more importantly, from an alignment standpoint, if you're eating super close to bed, your body is spending all its time digesting, right? So in the perfect world, once again, I would like to eat when the sun is out. Now, to give you my example, my schedule doesn't really accommodate that all the time. Sometimes I get off at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night, and I'm not going to skip dinner for what my goals are and for what I need to do. So I'll eat late at night sometimes. I eat 8.30, 9 o'clock sometimes. I've done that so many times in my life. Now, that's not the end of the world. That's not something that you should be creating stress around it. But if I have the availability and I have the chance, if I'm going to bed at 10 or 10.30, I would like to be eating around 7 at the latest, right? And then almost completely stop taking in anything, right? Maybe a little bit of water, but even then, some too much water at night can kind of force you up. So, Because what that's going to do is going to set you up for a great night of sleep, right? What that's going to do is going to allow your body to kind of get into this kind of circadian alignment, meaning, okay, my body's done eating, it's done digesting, and now it can start getting ready for restoration and rest. Um, when you're eating late at night, your body is kind of delaying that process, right? And one thing that people forget about with deep sleep is majority of your deep stages of sleep are going to happen on the first kind of couple hours of sleep. Majority of your REM sleep is going to happen in the later half, in the second half of your sleep. Even though you go through these sleep-wake cycles naturally, um, you got to remember that there's kind of stages to it. So if you interrupt that by having way too much light or you interrupt that by having way too much food or drinks or alcohol late at night or caffeine – you're disrupting the deeper stages of sleep. You're disrupting the circadian alignment, right? So food is a very powerful thing, but more importantly, meal timing is a very powerful thing, right? So having a little bit of carbs at night actually helps kind of with some of that serotonin and melatonin production, right? So that's something I always tell people at night, a little bit of carbs probably could actually help you sleep better. But really more importantly, focus on the timing of it, right? To come back to my client example, my little client shout out is she didn't change what she was eating. She just moved it up and she moved her sleep to a more consistent place and she saw the weight fall off, right? So that's going to be a huge piece when you look at those things is understanding that, you know, the light is going to be the very, probably the most powerful thing, but the meal timing behind that is going to be the thing that kind of allows us to set up some of these hormonal production cycles and the endocrine disruptors that could be happening because, you know, you're eating so late at night, your body's putting more focus into digesting and breaking down those foods. But also remember this, insulin sensitivity is a very big thing. We want to be insulin sensitive, right? If you're someone that does not have a lot of insulin sensitivity or you're insulin resistant or borderline, um, your body is not going to really handle certain types of foods, carbohydrates mainly, but other, you know, majority of foods here obviously could have some effect on that. When you eat the same meal at dinner versus the same meal for lunch, they have two different responses. Our body becomes less insulin sensitive throughout the day, meaning if I had a bowl of rice and chicken and vegetables like I did last night and I had that at dinner and I had that same meal at lunch, the lunch is going to have less of an impact on my blood sugar. But more importantly, it's going to have a faster recovery time. It's going to be more adaptive, right, which is what we want, right? When you have a huge carb meal or just a huge meal in general very late at night, your body has a harder time metabolizing and digesting. So look at that. Naturally, your body is not as good at taking food in very late. So what do you think is happening when a lot of people are having their little munchies, the late night snacks, or going out after the club or the bar and going to 2 a.m. to Jack in the Box or whatever, right? I used to be, that's why I'm using that example. Um, your body is not really effective. So when you think about weight loss and you think about really health optimization and energy optimization, 
meal timing is a huge freaking thing. And if you just look at naturally how the body effectively works, if my body's more effective at handling certain things and when the sun's out, then cool. Let's keep majority of the calories and let's keep majority of the food during sunlight exposure. Now, I'm not saying, once again, that this is a blanket statement. If you have to eat at night, go for it. I would just encourage you to try to minimize as much as you can from a calorie standpoint to force that during the daylight hours and have less of it during the night if you do. Um, so that's why intermittent fasting tends to be such a powerful tool for people, even from a circadian rhythm standpoint, but more importantly, a weight loss standpoint, is you're giving your body a more consistent window to eat. So when we have consistent eating windows, when we have cons- uh, consistent sleep schedules, guess what? So does the circadian rhythm. And you're going to start to see everything just become that much more effective, that much more efficient, right? Um, and then just a couple things to touch on sleep too, that obviously are kind of disruptors. Alcohol is a big one. You got to remember, obviously metabolizing alcohol, your body, when you drink alcohol, it makes it priority number one. Um, I would tell you once again, you guys have heard me say this, this is our biggest culprit in our house is obviously having, you know, red wine. I don't think red wine is something that I would deem as unhealthy or, something that I would take completely away from a diet, but having it late at night or having two or three glasses or more, obviously there's going to be a point of diminishing returns there. So alcohol timing, that's something to be kind of aware of. Minimizing it or removing it probably has the biggest impact, obviously. Number two is looking at caffeine. You know, one of the things that we did for the nutrition challenge is trying to cut off caffeine by two. Some people can cut it off by four. Some people need to cut it off by noon, depending on how tolerant you are to metabolizing and getting rid of caffeine. Caffeine does have an eight-hour half-life, meaning if I have caffeine at noon, by 8 p.m., only half of that caffeine has been rid by the body. So... Yes, once again, it's different per person, but those are two things that really, when you look at circadian alignment, be careful with how you time your caffeine. In the perfect world, I would tell everyone, try to keep caffeine between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, in the perfect world, I would tell alcohol to be something that's very, very minimal. Um, you know, a glass or two from research and studies seems to be okay. Um, but if you were to have someone that's having a glass of red wine versus someone that's having zero glasses of wine, the person in the latter aspect of that is obviously going to have a better effect on all the things I'm talking about. So those are things when you look at kind of circadian rhythm that I want everyone to focus on is number one, have a consistent sleep schedule. That's going to be the biggest impact or the, the easiest thing to kind of create an impact. Number two, which is the biggest impact is light. Light exposure. The best thing you can do for yourself is getting natural sunlight in the eyes, on the face, on the skin first thing in the morning. Um, even when it's cloudy, sun is still penetrating. You got to remember you're not getting these UVA, UVB rays when you're behind a window, when you're behind a car window, when you're wearing sunglasses. So getting outside and getting direct sunlight exposure is very, very safe when it's at the beginning part of the day and the end part of the day. Where sunlight can be something that I would say sun yourself, you know, responsibly would be from kind of that 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. window, right? Well, that's when you can be technically, in a sense, more harmful to be taking a lot of direct sunlight exposure. Um, so that's number one is looking at getting the first thing. And then number two is when you – if you're in the perfect world, you would actually watch the sun set too because that just kind of gets your body into the rhythm of, cool, sun's down. It's starting to darken up. Um, and then most importantly is cutting out blue light at night, right? So, you know, there, there's all this technology now for different things that you can put on for phones and apps or in the perfect world, we're moving technology, but that's never going to be the case for anybody, I think, moving on to the future. So what are the things that we can help for mitigation tools? Number one is buying yourself some blue light blocker glasses. They're, they're orange, amber lenses. So everything's going to look to 50 shades of orange to you. Getting some red light bulbs to put in the house. If you have night lights in the hallways for your kids, make them red because these are things that do not have as much disruption. Um, number three is looking at meal timing. Um, obviously, meal composition does play a role, but meal timing being the most important thing. So 
fasting schedules or intermittent fasting schedules for people, but really the big priority should be focusing on trying to have that last meal, last calorie, last thing coming in the body two to four hours prior to your bedtime. Um, and then just looking at things that obviously could disrupt and take you out of alignment, which is going to be caffeine, which could be alcohol, which could be travel, um, which obviously could be things like waking you up at night. So we're being a night shift worker. Those are all things that are going to have like a, a deeper impact on that. But those would be things that I would say focus on. And just doing these things, you're going to get so much return on your investment. And it doesn't feel like you're doing that much like you're not changing that much. I'm not asking you to go exercise more. I'm not asking you to diet harder. I'm asking you to just change the window and control the window and add that structure in. The hardest thing that I will tell you, my girlfriend, we got her blue light blockers uh, six months ago, and she probably has worn them twice. The first three months of me having them, I barely used them because I feel like it ruined the experience. The next three months, I kind of got a little bit more consistent. And then after six months, I started becoming, I wear them every night now. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's a fucking game changer. Out of everything that I've ever done for my sleep, like it is the biggest game changer, right? Um, and not to really get down kind of too deep into the rabbit hole of all the sleep things between, you know, curtains, earplugs, and cooling room and all that stuff, which I've done in previous podcasts, I think. Um, the blue light blockers for sure are the biggest impact in my sleep. They make the most dramatic change on how I feel. I put them on and I'm like, whoa, like I immediately feel like I'm starting to wind down, right? So understand that's probably the thing that has requires the most accommodation. So it does take time to kind of adapt. But most of the things that we just talked about are pretty straightforward. All right, guys. Well, as always, have a great day. Have a great weekend, whatever day you're listening to this. And uh, next week, I'll see you guys on Friday. Take care.